Welcome to NFT Rebels, the podcast where technology, creativity, education, and non-fungible experiences meet each other. It's me, Annie Alexander, and in each episode, me and the Rebels will have a real unscripted talk, share genuine opinions, and show raw emotions. Should we start? Okay, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the NFT Rebels. I'm super happy to have Michael Stelsner here in the studio. Uh, welcome, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Fine, fine. I'm very happy to meet you again and, and talk to you again. So we've been, I've been on the other side of the microphone a few months ago um, at the um, Crypto Business Podcast. Yep, yep. Going to be renamed yeah. Web3 Business Podcast here soon. Okay, cool. So I've been one of the first guests and super happy about that. Uh, now, yeah, tables have turned. Now I'm going to interview Michael and we're going to have another conversation about the topic that both of us are super passionate about these days, it looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Michael Stessler is the founder of the Social Media Examiner, which has been a, a media channel, a resource channel for marketers since men 10 plus years, like how many years already? Uh, 13? 13 years, yeah, 13 years. 13 years already. I've been following uh, him since probably 10 years or so, and uh you know, if, if someone would, would tell me that eventually we would, you know, speak on a podcast, meet in real life and all that stuff, I would definitely not believe it. But, you know, life is very unpredictable and interesting. So so is this space. So absolutely um, worth just, you know, following the flow and seeing where it takes you. 100%. So, yeah. So I think... We should start from the very beginning. Um, it's always very interesting to hear the stories of people about how they fell down this rabbit hole. How did they discover the space and ended up here? Because it's very interesting. What is in common with everyone is that everyone is equally fascinated with the space. And so once they get there, uh, they don't want to leave. But everyone has very different stories in terms of how they got here, where they came from, and what was the main motivation to, to actually be curious enough to look into it. Yeah. So where do you want me to start? You want me uh, should I just share my story with you? Uh, yeah, it would be really nice to find out, like, yeah. uh, I mean, I know you're, you're deep into this space at the moment already, but like, uh, you know, that hasn't always been the case. So what was right. your journey like? Yeah. So, um, uh, it started with, uh, COVID. So basically for those that don't know, I put on a conference called social media marketing world, which is quite large and we've been doing it since 2013. And um, the date was March 2nd of 2020. We had about four or 5,000 people from all over the world in San Diego at our conference. And um, all of a sudden, the world started hearing about the first death of a person in America who had COVID. And 10 days later, the world shut down. And, you know, when you're one of your main sources of revenue is events, and all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, okay, what's going to happen? I thought it was going to be maybe three months. I didn't think it was going to be like that long, you know? So what ended up happening was I had to email in November of 2020, our customers and say, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have the conference. Um, 
but we'll be back, you know? And then what ended up happening was I had a lot of time because as you know, anybody who's listening that ever puts on a massive anything, right? A launch or any undertaking, it's all consuming. Well, all of a sudden I had something I didn't have before, which was time. So in early December, I happened into Clubhouse and I was like, whoa, what is this Clubhouse thing? And I started having uh, regular Saturday morning Clubhouses, Clubhouse rooms with a lot of my marketing friends and lots of people were in there. And then I started poking around inside a Clubhouse and I started seeing people talk about crypto. And I'm like, huh, very interesting. And Fred uh, Ursham, I think is his name, the co-founder of Coinbase was in there. Um, and the it was very, very fascinating to me. And I really didn't understand it. But I was super active on Clubhouse. Then in January or February, a friend of mine reached out and said, hey, what do you, you want to start a social token? Uh, there's this company called Rally.io, which I'm an advisor to, and I would love to invite you. There's only going to be 60 people that are going to be the original creator coins on this platform. I didn't get it. And I said, no, thank you. I've got too many other things to worry about. Um, but that opened up something in my brain, which is, I think there's something here with this crypto thing. And I keep hearing about it and people I know from the marketing world seem to be moving into this world. Maybe I should talk to my old friend. So I rang up my old friend, Joel Com, founder of, uh, co-host of the bad crypto podcast with uh, Travis Wright. And I said, Hey bro, um, time for me to ask you a million questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and everybody has a friend like this, right? Like, I don't get it. Help me understand all this stuff. And then in March-ish of 2020, I bought my first Ethereum and about $100 worth of it on Coinbase. And then, um, you know, over time, I got to see that Gary Vaynerchuk was doing this thing called VFriends. I didn't understand how it all works, so I didn't do it. I didn't even understand, you know, actually how to do the things, you know, I just knew that I had my hundred dollars worth of Ethereum or whatever, but over time I started investing more and more mostly into the crypto. And then, and then I started getting into NFTs and I um, started investing very heavily in NFTs and um, I got in, you know, some of the more popular collections and over a period of time, I just made a lot of mistakes, right? I invested in collections the day they came out when they were peaking I, um, I lost a lot of money, but eventually I started getting it right. And I got into Moonbirds. Um, I ended up getting seven Moonbirds. I ended up, uh, getting into proof. I also got, um, Azuki, cool cats, lazy lions, and just a whole bunch of other, um, relatively, uh, mutant apes, you know, yacht cub. And I of course paid premiums for a lot of these, um, And uh, over time, I just dove down the rabbit hole and I started going deep into discords. And then I started a podcast in uh, this year, uh, as we're recording this in January of this year called Crypto Business. And I decided I was going to interview people focusing just on the business side of what does this all mean? What, What can entrepreneurs and creators and marketers do and learn with NFTs, DAOs, the metaverse, social tokens? And I just started um, leveraging my network because I had big network on the social examiner, social media examiner side of things and interviewed you and lots of other amazing people. You introduced me to Josh Rosenthal, who's amazing. Then in um, October of this year, we had a small conference called Crypto Business Conference, which you were one of our keynoters. So, you know, I kind of went down the rabbit hole 
big time, you know, and I'm still running social media examiner, but I'm still really bullish on, um, on this space. And I recently just launched a web three for beginners course. Uh, if you go to web three course.info or you go to socialmediaexaminer.com and you click on the thing in the nav bar, you'll see this free course that I put together, which is really designed to help the larger world, which is not in web three. I'm talking about every entrepreneur, every creator, marketer, everyday people understand the historical significance about what we're going through, the opportunity that's here and how this really can really impact business. And it goes through some basics about how to set up your MetaMask and how to get your .eth um, NFT and how to use OpenSea, just the very, very basics. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about all this. And, you know, right now it's, I would almost say it's like a side project for me at Social Media Examiner, but I've gone very, very, very far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Got it. Is 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 this? Um, yeah, that's that's right. Websites, right? Okay. Yeah. So so everyone who's just starting, um, yeah, make sure you check out the course um, for for the basic stuff for the first steps because everyone who's just starting usually it can be super overwhelming uh, because there is loads of information. It's very hard to do due diligence on on information. It's very hard to figure out who who are the true influencers and thought leaders in the beginning. So probably this will be a shortcut just to check it out. Yeah, um, you're in a couple hours, and it's uh, it's going to get you from zero to like probably. 15 or whatever really quick because you can waste so much time as you and I both know listening Absolutely. to podcasts watching videos and not sure what this I just kind of made it simple yeah yeah simple is is very important and I, I think like you you briefly mentioned the the conference and um it, I, I I just want to say something about it um it was so interesting uh during the conference few people there asked me which are the other you know conferences that are worth going to and and that's when i started thinking about the audience which were basically business owners who were not familiar to the web3 space i realized that there aren't many conferences who are targeting that audience and i realized that most of the conferences that are a good quality conference are happening on a regular basis they are you know organized by web3 people for web3 people so and they are relatively advanced for people who are just starting so I, I just thought that you know that niche is is very sort of you know interesting and and people who are curious uh, basically don't have variety of choices of where to go when they are just starting and they are not web3 people so um well, so, yeah. just just to, just to throw it out there I went to three different conferences before I did mine I went to nftla I went to nft NYC and I also went to permissionless Permissionless was a was a DeFi conference uh, put on uh, by uh, Blockworks or Block, yeah, uh, Blockworks, yeah, Blockworks, and, yeah, yeah, and Bankless, um, and that was a decent conference. Uh, the NFT conferences were like nuts, you know. I mean, like like yeah. horrible, you know. And but 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 still, it's like. Uh, there wasn't any real conference for bringing people into the space and helping builders. When I say builders, I mean like literally entrepreneurs figure out how to use things that are more attainable, right? Like NFTs and DAOs to really build fascinating businesses. And that's kind of what my vision is. I'm hopeful that maybe I can build something like that downstream that's going to help the broader business world to come into the space. 
Yeah, I think that's very important, especially in these days when everything sounds so scary with everything that is happening around us. Many people who are on the fence trying to understand or decide whether they want to get in or not uh, every time something happens and that kind of reinforces their doubts and fears, uh, which is which is very sort of, you know, it, it really makes me a bit... Uh, both angry and sad at the same time because there are so many people building amazing stuff and then you know one person or one company does something wrong and then the whole thing kind of gets cancelled yeah. so it's it, it's really very hard to yeah to to just keep um, on the right track and have the right stories going mainstream so i think yeah what you're saying is very important you, you mentioned that you were investing in crypto and and also later on started with nfts um i had loads of conversations with people about um you know the different experiences and different sentiment when when you invest in crypto and and then when you invest in nfts because somehow like you know having that nft in your wallet feels a bit different rather than just having a coin um how did you feel about those like are there two different experiences or uh yeah they are they really are i mean it's fascinating because i started investing a lot of money in bitcoin ethereum and like maybe 18 other coins you know um Polygon, Matic, you know, Matic, Matic slash Polygon, um, Solana, um, AVAX, all that kind of stuff. And that was fun and that was intriguing. But it wasn't really until I started getting into NFTs that it started opening up possibilities for me, right? Because the, and I really, really love what Kevin Rose did because what I think so many NFT projects that are done right are more than just buying a, um, a digital photograph, right? You're actually unlocking features and access and experiences. And that's where I start to get excited. I mean, like I absolutely love um, what Moonbirds has done. I feel like they're setting the standard. What, what I think is fun about investing in NFTs is the idea that there's um, a community, right? Like there is no such thing as community when it comes to, we all own some Bitcoin. We all own some Ethereum. I mean, whoopee dang, anybody can buy it, right? But but when there's a limited supply, like in the case of Moonbirds, there's only 10,000. And that means there's never more than 10,000 people that belong to that particular community. Um, and then when you start to think about people like me who changed their profile picture on Twitter, and I'm, you know, I was blue checkmarked before <laughs> you could buy your blue checkmark for $8, you know? And um, mm -hmm. I've got a really decent big brand you know and i personal brand and i went ahead and changed my um my picture to a uh cowboy hatted moonbird you know because it's kind of the wild wild west right and i like this cowboy metaphor even though i'm not a cowboy um and i think i have if i'm not mistaken i have diamond eyes on my on my moonbird and um the reason i did it is because i identify with it and i think there's something about belonging and identity um and value that's all tied up in nfts that transcends just investment. And this is why I generally don't talk finance ever on my shows because, or tech even, because I feel like, um, I feel like there's financial people and technical people that can talk about that all day long. But what I think is fascinating is the unlock of creating a community or investing in a creator, you know, that because you believe in what they're going to build and um, being part of it and being able to 
get rid of it whenever you want and make some money back for it. Maybe not as much as what you originally invested or maybe a lot more. It kind of just depends. But it's when I started processing all those things, I told my controller because we invest a lot of our corporate money into um, into uh, Ethereum that I use Ethereum as my currency for NFTs and I almost never bank it, you know? Everything, every bit of ETH that I've almost ever bought, I've used to buy NFTs. And I bought <laughs> a lot of NFTs, you know? I don't know how much ETH I've spent, but I, my guess is maybe a million dollars worth of NFTs, you know, all in. Oh, wow. And it's not a small undertaking, but I'm very bullish on on these communities and the early days, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be really smart about investing in communities that I know are building things and doing things that are going to be here for the long, long haul. And, and it just opens up all these possibilities for me as a, someone who loves to build things. I can just imagine, you know, all the future businesses of the world. I can see the next Facebook, right. Being built in a small community. Look what Kevin Rose did a thousand people in his little proof community and then and then like about seven or eight thousand in the moonbirds community and then you got the oddities with more and it's like he's just building this big ecosystem and then he was able to get some funding and it's like whatever he's building uh, gary vaynerchuk is another example you know he's they've got they're they're using this to, to 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 create super loyal customers i mean like i guarantee you i will always have a moonbird i don't know if i'll always have all seven but i will probably never get rid of my moonbird and I don't know if people can say that about other products that they own, you know? There, I mean, when I speak to people, there there is always one like forever NFT that they, they have chosen. Like no matter what, this one is going to stay with me forever. It's very interesting the way you say this. And and I think it's it's not a coincidence that you mentioned Kevin Rose and Vaynerchuk because I feel like just as you said, like many conversations and many people are focusing on the money side of it and speculation and get rich quick kind of positioning of things in terms of, you know, attracting people. And as a result, you attract the wrong type of people um, who will be there as long as they are making money and leave you uh, as soon as things change. Right. Uh, on the other hand, you have like people who are very passionate about the tech and very sort of tech centric. But uh, eventually what, you know, those two cases prove is that the real stories and the real sort of, you know, connection with the masses and with the communities is what works best. And, and the money is sort of the after effect if everything goes well. And the tech is the tool that they are using. But, you know, what what makes this special and what sort of, you know, should be the highlights of the stories shouldn't be neither the money nor the tax. So I, I truly, you know, believe in that and agree with you that those two are sort of, you know, they are part of the story, but they are not the main parts of the story. So uh, so definitely, and, and you know, as, as, as really great marketers, both of uh, those men, you know, know how to tell those stories, know how to tell the right stories. So I think that that had a very sort of, you know, fundamental sort of, you know, um, uh, just reason why it worked and the other thing is they already had a community that they were going to convert it's not like they were starting from scratch as well so both put together i think you know made a really good combination and helped them with a really fast jump start and this is where i think uh opportunity is for those who are listening right now let's say that you have 
um, a name for yourself in your industry. Maybe you've got an email list. Maybe you've got a podcast. Maybe you've got a YouTube channel. Maybe you've got a social following. They love the content that you're producing. They love the work, the products that you're making. Um, the challenge right now in this world is it's getting harder and harder to reach those people. And uh, if it's getting harder and harder to reach those people, then all of a sudden they kind of forget about you. And eventually they glom on to whatever the algorithm shows them next. The benefit of starting a project that is truly decentralized, like an NFT project or DAO, is that once people make this investment in this project, if you do it right and you do it in stages, you start off with a very small little group like um, Zeneca has done a great job with this with Zen Academy. He had 300, Academy. He had 333 on the initial. And then I believe he had, I don't know how many thousands with his Genesis token. And now he's coming out with a PFP project. But the but these are the super loyal evangelists, right? Because you don't need, see, first of all, you need some sort of an audience to be able to buy anything. That's just marketing 101, right? Yeah. But if you can get some of that audience over to a project and, and have them become true believers and have them invest a small amount of money, um, you know, in case of Gary Vaynerchuk, it was a half of an Ethereum, which was at the time maybe a thousand dollars, which isn't a huge amount of money. It's not a it's not a small amount of money either. Uh, and Kevin Rose was very expensive as well. But you get them in to invest, uh, uh, make a, a an investment because they're true believers already. And then over time, they get a chance to get access to you in these private Discord communities or Telegram groups, and they get excited. And then all of a sudden, you have people in the community that want to help. And all of a sudden, you get people rising up for free to evangelize because they've got a stake in this, and they want the value of that thing to go up. They'll do it for nothing, right? And all of a sudden, you develop this little grassroots kind of thing that you couldn't have done in the traditional business world because you would have gone out, had to go out and hire people to do it. But here they'll do it because they're owners, quote unquote, right? They have ownership stake in the thing. Um, and then eventually what ends up happening is um, all sorts of creative ideas are birthed out of this and you get massive motion and movement, which is very hard to replicate, especially in today's world. So I believe that if you start small, you take some of that audience, migrate them over to a project and then have a plan, set a vision, regularly communicate and do what Gary Vaynerchuk and Kevin Rose say, which is I'm committing myself to this. I'm, I'm on a 10 year horizon or 20 year or lifetime horizon. You know, all of a sudden these people will, will become your evangelist. They will market for free. They will change their profile picture to that, NFT. They will let everyone know about it everywhere. And this is the brilliance of, of what's enabled by the blockchain, the NFT or the DAO, and then ultimately the social layer on top of the whole thing. And I'm here to tell you, like, this is a great way to build a business and it's a great way to do things. Um, and, and I've interviewed a lot of people. Not everybody has big social followings. Some people have no social followings and instead they just go out and they develop they, they they buy NFTs and they become part of these communities and they partner with these communities to help build something. There's so many ways to go about doing it. But what's exciting about this is these are the projects that are going to stand the test of time, you know, because they're building something. And as a business owner or a creator, we really want to be able to build something that has incredible upside. And that's why I'm so excited 
I know I've rambled yeah. over, so I'll stop and let's go wherever we want to go there. No, no, no. I, I think it's 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 the correct way to look at this because and especially I mean I would add to this that it's it's the right time to build at the moment because uh yeah, I mean bear markets can be painful, but at the same time you don't have that noise and that hype and so many destructions that were out there where every single day you had several NFT projects minting and you know you had you know a lot of stuff happening and it was very hard to stand out. Now things are relatively quiet. Now people are, uh, you know, not launching projects so often and, you know, whatever you do and whatever you build, you can do it with, with the right focus, without distractions, without worrying too much about what's happening around you and just, you know, uh, sitting down and, and doing what you were supposed to do without worries. Um, so so I feel like, yeah, it, at one, you know, it's it may be sounding counterintuitive because the markets are not in the best condition at the moment and not many people have liquidity for it. But on the other hand, like, you know, if, if you just even set the foundation now, that would be a really good strategy at the moment. So, so I totally agree with you. Um, and the other thing is that many NFT projects in the hype cycle started just as that, right? They didn't start it as business and then later on they built on top of it or they disappeared eventually. Um, but if you already have a business, just going over it and sort of, you know, figuring out how you can embed this technology and enhance and amplify your business, it's even better because you're starting from, from, from a better, you know, point because you already have a business which you can work on top of, right? So, so I feel like, yeah, definitely uh, looking at it in terms of how it can help your business is is uh, a really good angle to look into yeah and one one little warning is don't look at it as just another product launch because it's not you know this is the mistake that i think a lot of these nft projects make is that they just launch the project and they put all their effort into the launch and then they just forget about it you know they don't realize that it goes on forever you know like there's expectations when people buy these things that they're not just buying like a widget and you don't, and then you just support it. They're expecting, um, they're expecting that there's going to be something more here. And if there's not, then they're going to flip them, you know, and they're going to be out. Right. And that's the warning for anyone thinking about starting one of these kind of projects is this is not a short horizon project. This isn't like, um, having not a, a cash grab. <laughs> yeah. It's not like having an event when it's over, it's over, or it's not like launching a, a course, you know, and, and, and it's, it's on self, uh, sustaining afterwards, it's going to require enormous work kind of forever, you know, if you want it to truly go where it goes. So it's, that's why it's more like a business model than a product launch. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's, you know, because it's, the, the whole space and and the projects that work best are all centered around community. Community is something that when you build, you can't switch on and off. You can't really build something and then stick around with them for half a year, for a year, and then decide, oh, you know what? I now I want to do something else and just you know ditch them and and go and do that something else, right? So so I feel like that's something that many don't realize uh, that it's it's not just a project that you launch and then you go and and move. To to another project it's something that you know you launch as a start but then keep growing and keep sort of you know taking all these people with you to that journey and and yes i mean legally 
probably like you know uh you have made your obligation at the moment when nft has hit their wallet because they paid for it and they got it but from the moral and ethical perspective uh, as you said the expectations are completely different so um so yeah on the other hand it's a bit extreme right on the other hand i've i've spoken to many founders who, who are saying yeah but does this mean that you know um because i launched a pfp like my whole life should be committed to it does it mean i can't do anything else does it mean like i'm stuck with this uh, uh well it's and- kind of like here's my take on it it's like saying if you launch the facebook group um do you expect to just like launch it and step away from it because if you do uh then you're gonna have all the spammers come in and it's going to, no one's going to, and everyone's going to leave it and it's going to be worthless. Right. So you don't have to commit your life to it, but again, realize we're talking about 2023 strategy, right? We're not talking about 2020 strategy, right? So when in 2020, 2021, you know, early 2021, well, actually, yeah, no, in 2021, that's in 2021, you could launch almost anything and it would just take off and everybody was fine. But in, 2022 uh, into 2023, now it's the projects that have strategy behind them that are taking off, right? It's the projects that are, um, that are really, really smart um, about their roadmaps and their plans that are really taking off. And along the way, you've got projects that started kind of without a plan and then all of a sudden got a plan, like Cool Cats or like... um, Azuki, you know what I mean? Like their original plan and what they're doing now are not the same. You know, um, everybody was claiming metaverse and everybody's claiming all these, they just threw it, it was like standard language on every NFT project. But the truth of the matter is that most of those projects are gone now. And, and there's, everybody knows the metaverse isn't coming anytime soon and nobody's going to wait around, you know, three yeah. years until x project builds out a metaverse so now it's much more about like okay if you're going to launch a project um in this economy right in a downed economy the only thing that's going to get people excited is if you truly are um doing something that people can get excited about right so i I just don't think i think the days of launching cool pictures of lions you know and just expecting the world to go nuts over it without a strategy are over with yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, with the time, people become more mature and right. people start sort of, you know, uh, already making a difference between projects and understanding, you know, which ones are more sustainable, which ones have a better plan and all that stuff. And the expectations have raised eventually. Like, it, it's the same thing uh, that happened with the ICOs that at one point, you know, people could sell any any token and it would just work out. Uh, even meme coins were doing really, really great. But then after a while, you know, they wanted to see a roadmap. They wanted to do to see a more sustainable plan and understand what it's all about. And eventually they were expecting to see a product or service being built on top of it and, and a real launch, a real something that they could use. Here, I think it's the same analogy. It's the same pattern. In the beginning, it was like any any animal that looked cute was good enough to just get into the wallet and sort of, you know, see the prices rise and kind of, you know, make money and be happy about it. Now it's it's something different. And, and that is why, like, we had these trends of 
everyone saying I'm building a game or I'm building a media company or I'm doing something in the metaverse because those were like the only three ideas that seemed to stick with people and they were just making these promises like how many will eventually do it and how many games we will actually see that's another question um but but we you know projects definitely need to have a better plan than for example the board apes in the very beginning when they said yeah i mean you just get the ape and you can ride on the wall of the toilet like yeah i mean now it it won't work anymore like it's not enough you can't really you know convince people that this is a good enough utility for that token obviously so um so yeah it's 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 very different world and and i think it's good because it means that the market starts maturing and and you know and people can't just spend two hours of um drawing a concept uh, of of something you know of a cute character and just generate 10,000 versions of it and and just launch something so yeah definitely much much better uh i think from 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 your background which is marketing like you know i i i i had uh several episodes of the podcast sort of having mini solo rants about the need of of have doing real marketing in this space because most of the marketing and tactics and you know kind of you know what is being done around it these days is more about hyping stuff is more about very short term sort of you know acceleration of getting attention and interest and even like deceptive messages just getting enough kind of you know mass into the space to just buy the token and then everything dries out um which to me it's it's not really a marketing so so i feel like the real marketing and the real sort of you know fundamental way of truly sort of you know marketing an nft project is something that is still rare and and we really need that um so when you look at at the space at the moment what do you think is lacking most from the marketing perspective what is it that that we still are not doing well enough well marketing is such a big topic um and we could talk about projects that are doing it well and projects um you know that aren't we don't even hear about but i do think that the the thing that is the most challenging for most nft projects especially people that have been in the space for a little while is they don't see the opportunity outside the space to bring people into the space. Um, there's only so many MetaMask wallets, right? And uh, 30 million or something like that. And how many of them are active? How many active accounts on OpenSea and all these other platforms looks rare. Yeah. So the challenge- and How many of them are unique users? Because you right. know, most of us have several MetaMask wallets, not just one. Yeah. Exactly. So the- challenge from a marketing perspective is if you target the same people that are already active investors then what you're doing is you're just stealing from project x to benefit project y and all it does is create these ebbs and flows that are going on inside the space where all of a sudden uh what's that one gobbler or whatever that just came out and everybody was art, art gobblers yeah. yeah art gobblers right well i mean they were high now they're they're down you know it's just it, all it, all it's doing is it's getting people to sell one NFT over here to speculate this NFT over here. I think that's a mistake when it comes to marketing. I think the bigger opportunity for marketing is to reach out to the crowd that is not familiar with NFTs to educate them on NFTs and to let them let your project be their first NFT. 
because oh, everybody, yeah. so everybody growing the pie itself. Yeah, growing the pie itself, which it's a much bigger opportunity. It's kind of yeah. like saying, um, if I were to give a metaphor, it's like saying um, uh, um, the entire world is the city of San Diego. Okay. And um, we have to get everybody in San Diego to buy this or we're in trouble. And San Diego has a population of a million, but the world has a population of billions, right? That would be completely short-sighted to say our only people that we can sell to are people in San Diego when you could bring the whole world in, right? So if you can figure out a way to reach out to the world and bring them into the project, first of all, um, they're not going to be flippers because they don't even understand the concept of flippers. Secondly, um, they're probably going to hold on to this as their first NFT project. Third, they're probably going to really love the fact that you've helped them understand this space, right? And because you're the one that brought them in, yeah. which is exactly why I have this free course, right? Because I'm trying to bring people into this space because I see the opportunity to bring people in. And I've interviewed so many marketers on my show that have said, this is the big mistake everyone's making is they're marketing to the DGENs. They're not marketing to the um, the normies. You know what I'm saying? And the yeah. normies are the ones that we need to be marketing to. And I know some people are saying, yeah, but they can't afford the project. And I'm like, no, that's very short-sighted. Maybe you shouldn't be selling your NFTs for an ETH. Maybe you should be selling your your NFTs for like $100, you know, or 0.01 ETH, you know, or whatever it takes to bring these people in. Because for them, you know, it's like this is their first entry point. And some of these people will all of a sudden turn into evangelists for you. Hey, you got to check out this new project. It's so exciting to all their family and friends who do not know the first thing about this, right? And because they love the fact that you brought them in. And when you bring people in, they'll be loyal to you. Because just like in any space, people are loyal to the people that teach them and get them into the next world. And even if your NFT has got nothing to do with this, this is what Gary Vaynerchuk did right. Gary Vaynerchuk went out of his way to educate the world nonstop about what NFTs were. And and to this day, people still credit Gary V and V friends. He's getting free marketing forever because of that work that he did. That's, That's what a lot of people don't understand. No, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think like, you know, uh, the, uh, the 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 issue is that like we look at the NFT space like as as one space and and kind of, you know, one one crowd which are the dungeons. But like even in the NFT space you do have several like segregations. You have the dungeons who are the ones who have the most money, which is why everyone is, you know, very attracted to targeting them. But then you have the creators and the NFT artists who have less money but you know completely different interests and i saw like that difference very vividly here in the nft london um last week it was just you know um there were loads of side events um next to to the main venue and and there were events which were you know organized by the nft artists and creator communities and then there were events which were around you know collectibles and and you know uh with loads of dungeons and the vibe, the topics, um, the ambience, everything was so different for those two. Uh, so, so to me, it's like NFTs are just the tool, but there are so many different audiences that you can bring in, uh, even from outside, just, just even by topic, right? You know, by different passion topics, you can just unite people around you, um, depending on what you are passionate about. It doesn't even have to be uh, a business-related topic, right? So, so I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, bringing people in uh, from outside and, and just uh, 
probably even educating uh, as you're doing here, like the basics, right? They don't even have to go too deep into the nitty gritty details of the tech and and uh, loads of sort of, you know, a, a very deep kind of knowledge base. Uh, that's that's not what they need to have, but they just need to have the, the, the main basics. And uh, probably one of those should be not your keys, not your crypto, very sort of, uh, yeah, valid these days. Well, and I'll uh, even say that's not the basics. That's more, that's more advanced. Let's be intellectually honest, right? You know, like, like um it is but but i think like basics fr from the perspective like you know the these are one of the obvious mistakes you can anticipate them making once they get into the space right so anything that kind of protects right. them like an, uh, understanding the concept that might protect them from from the future losses is but if you if you tell something. someone to set up a metamask wallet well then they got the keys you know what i mean and that's that's it is that's where like, you know, like we're teaching people how to set up a MetaMask wallet. You don't even have to go, not your keys, not your crypto. You know what I mean? Cause there's no, yeah. there's if no, they keep it there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's usually what they do. Right. Um, and the advanced thing is to move it out of that onto a ledger, which we're not even broaching, you know, we're just, we're teaching yeah, no. how to set up your MetaMask and basic security stuff. Right. And, and again, you know, it's like, I do agree with you, not your keys, not your crypto hundred percent, but that's not, going to make sense all that's going to do is scare the heck out of a newbie you mean i got to buy this hardware device you know are you yeah. kidding me like so you got to make true. Simple, no but know? like metamask too it, it's you know you own your keys of the of yeah. your metamask so it's, yeah. it's still you know yours uh, it's yeah. still under your control so no one can you know can take it from you so uh, it, just a couple it, more things on marketing um i do think that a lot of uh, marketers under i mean a lot of nft projects under uh, they don't understand marketing Right. Because maybe they're artists, maybe they're creators um, or maybe they're just technical people. Right. And I don't think they understand the importance of community development and also yeah. the importance of having some sort of following somewhere. Right. Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It doesn't really matter. Right. Because you need a way to um, communicate with. Uh, people who are prospects and also people who are customers, right? If you don't have that communication layer, then everything is going to fall apart because yeah. Discord is not going to be enough, full stop, right? Most people are not going to go live in Discord unless they're hardcore faithful, right? So you need to have yeah. that communication layer somehow communicated in here. And marketing also involves not just getting someone to buy the NFT, but getting them to keep the NFT, or to see yeah. the value in the NFT or to talk about the NFT. And that's where regular communications is really, really important. Letting your holders know what you're working on, letting them know that you are listening to them, letting them know about um, your plans, you know, with regular Twitter spaces or whatever it takes. This is marketing as much as it's cultivating relationships, but it's, it is all marketing at its core. You have to keep people excited. If you go dark, then the fears will start coming in and everybody will start selling the collection. If Yeah, if you're not controlling the narrative and if you're not the one communicating, you know, what's going on, someone will use that vacuum and create their own stories about it and speculate 100%. about it. So 100%. so it's definitely, and, and in terms of Discord, I think, you know, when you look at the, at the space in terms of bringing people from outside, I don't even think they need to be on Discord because ma many people don't use Discord so forcing them to a space which is yet another layer of an unknown 
think uh, that they need to figure out how to use it's just I, I would say just go and meet them where they are it doesn't i mean it's discord for the dungeons it's discord for the vibe 3 community because that's what many use at the moment but it doesn't have to be it's not like a discord has a specific you know very uh yeah i mean web 3 centric stuff uh, uh so yeah what i'm excited about um is hopefully somebody is building something maybe it's proof maybe it's somebody else that's going to develop a new communication layer um maybe something along the lines of text messaging or email um that'll be token gated so that we can communicate um exclusively through mobile devices to our quote-unquote customers effortlessly i'm sure that these are being worked on i think yep. this is the missing piece of the pie um, the other side of the pie is I often say we're waiting for our WordPress moment. And for those that don't know, WordPress is about 40% of all the websites in the world. Social Media Examiner is built on the top of WordPress. It's an open source, free um, technology, if you will, a protocol um, that allows people to build amazing things. And right now, there's not yet that I'm aware of a widely accepted open source kind of protocol that makes it free and easy. Like WordPress is like Microsoft Word or it's like Medium, you know, it's just, you could just, it just works. Yeah. You, you don't have to know how to code to use it. So right. I think that's, I think that's the key, right? I mean, there are open source protocols, but it's kind of, you know, developers can build on top of it, but right. not me or not you. So I think turning that into a no code solution, no code tool for people like us is, is going to be uh, the future. And, and there are certain projects working on that. Uh, I think, like as 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 a start um you know on a smart contract development layer manifold has created these tools where you know nft creators and artists can can make their own smart contract even if they are not coders based on that still a little contract. technical though you know but it is it is still a, a technical um so so i think it, it will i mean it should develop further and become more user friendly but it's not only the smart contracts that we have to to be able to do right it's 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 the smart contracts but also we would you know lots of people have loads of creative ideas of building dapps on top of protocols we just don't know how so we need either to team up with the developers or you know find some funds to pay some outsourced teams to do that etc etc while if if as you said, there is a WordPress solution to that, then I'm, I'm sure, you know, loads of people have tons of amazing ideas. It's just that they don't know how to execute them. Yeah. So, and when that yeah. happens, if you have plugins like you do in WordPress, imagine you could get this open source thing to launch an NFT project or a DAO. And then there's open plugins that you can install in there that enable functionality, token gating, communication layers, all sorts of things that we can't even imagine. I think when that happens, you're going to see an explosion in this space. And I'm fairly confident we are within 24 months of this happening because yeah. the innovation is happening so fast right now. When it does, all of a sudden, um, I think things are going to explode because there's a lot of builders and creative people out there that don't know lick of code, but they're super creative. And if they have these kinds of tools to be able to do this, um, then all of a sudden they can create stuff. And, um, and then... Boom. I mean, like I was there. I remember what it was like with WordPress. It was massive innovation that allowed yeah. anyone to essentially become a publisher. And um, yeah. I'm confident somebody's working on it. I don't know who they are, 
But man, when that happens, look out, it's going to explode. Oh, definitely. And I think it's 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 just that and that next level of of big groups coming in and and experimenting is what we need at the moment because you know uh, there aren't like we need fresh ideas and we need fresh perspective and we need people who have know nothing about this to come in and look at it from from a different angle and with different use cases and different problems that they're looking solutions for because as i said like i feel like we're we're ending up like being in a small vacuum kind of you know talking to each web3 people working in web3 developing in web3 talking to each other like you know just discussing stuff we are interested in but we we just need to understand that what we are passionate about is not what everyone else is passionate about so so when people come in with different type of problems and not just our problems then you know the whole scope will become broader and there will be more interesting things happening in different areas not just you know the tech side of it not just you know the pfp side of it and uh, and business side of it so i think there will be loads of interesting things happening at the moment it's been mainly art and visual art for the NFTs in terms of creators. Um, there has been few things that are growing at the moment, like music, for example. But, uh, but you know, uh, that that's pretty much it. I think, you know, once we start broadening the areas and have more sort of, you know, passion pillars in there, um, there will be more exciting things coming and, and, and bigger variety of things, uh, which will be very interesting. I'm with you. Um, since I mentioned creators, uh, I don't know like how involved you are with, with that aspect, but, uh, there has been a very hot topic about royalties and loads of discussions uh, and, yeah. and OpenSea has been sort of, you know, initiating those discussions and then decided that they are not going to reinforce 0% royalty and stuff like that. So, uh, how did you feel about it in general? Because it's, it's been very controversial for many people so well the challenge is i, I you know creator royalties is, was a big part of the business model for a lot of people that launched nft projects right because they can earn more on the creator fees from OpenSea and other platforms than they could on the initial launch assuming if the price goes up or if there's a lot of volume movement the um i've been interviewing a lot of people in my my show about how people are, are beginning to prepare for the possibility that they will go away by holding NFTs back in their treasury, you know, and slowly selling them over time to fund the program as they're, you know, like let's say they had a 10,000 PFP, maybe they only sell 8,000 of them. They keep 2000 in the company treasury. Yeah. The um, I, I think the challenge that, um, that we face right now is that these collectors and, and buyers and flippers and stuff, um, would want to pay the lowest possible price when they're buying yeah. and they want to make the most amount of money when they sell, right? Yeah. So this is going to be a hard battle for OpenSea to ultimately win. Um, I did read their their Twitter thread, you know, where they said, hey, we're going to keep uh, enforcing royalties on existing NFT projects. And we think it's really important, NFT project founders, that you tell people to buy them on OpenSea, right? Because... If the project says only trade them here, you know, and um, really educates their audience on where to trade them, well, then it's in the best interest of the project because, you know, X, uh, what is it? X2, Y2, looks rare, um, and Blur have all, they give you the option to go to, to go zero. Why would you 
choose to pay a creator fee if you don't have to, right? You wouldn't. So um, hopefully, eventually, there'll be um, contract level things that will be enforced where certain benefits will only be provided to people that pay creator fees, you know? Um, I think that there's people looking into that right now. Um, I would imagine eventually maybe tools like Collab Land and others will be able to confirm that this token, this mm -hmm. NFT was paid the creator fee. And maybe that's the same as nesting your NFT, your, your Moonbird. You know what I mean? Like nesting. Yeah. Is, so, so maybe the only way you get access to certain perks in the community is if you actually paid the creator fee. You know, and maybe there's a way that they could actually determine that. So that's on like tank. a commission and added value of paying yeah. that commission. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that way, that way, it's like you know, there's two angles to this. You can not pay the creator fee and just be an investor in the NFT and a flipper, um, and and could care less about the actual utility of the project. And if you pay the the creator fee, then that unlocks the utility. I can imagine that that's possibly enforceable on chain. Don't you think? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, um, technically, it, there should be a solution for that. Uh, and I also think, like, my problem is that, again, these two big, very different groups are, are you know, under the same blanket, right? Because when you think about creator fees and you're thinking about PFP project, which is kind of, you know, once they figure out the sustainable business model and monetization model, they can eventually change or adjust. Or, you know, if they have create if they have hired a freelance designer and paid for him just once and then they are collecting the, you know, creator fees from that, it kind of, you know, maybe, you know, it's not, it's okay to take them out uh, because it's, they, they were not the creator themselves. So it's fine. But on the other hand, like we're looking at the NFT artists, uh, that's basically, that was the story that they bought in order to get into this space that that's that was the main reason they had already been screwed by getting so much less from their royalties by the agents and all these other middlemen that this was kind of you know their their way to potentially make you know a passive income from their creations and eventually get a chance to to quit their nine to five in order to do this full time. And then, you know, you're basically those, this is the group that suffers the most, right? Yeah. So, so, so to me, it's like, it's very hard to put everything under one blanket and kind of make it as a market standard. Uh, but on the other hand, like, I don't know how, how they are going to look otherwise. So um, it's, it's a tricky I, I question. I think we're going to zero creator fees here soon. I, I think it's going to be really hard. Um, when, I mean, imagine a future where you don't even have centralized marketplaces anymore. You have decentralized marketplaces, right? If they can't enforce the, I mean, you know, you can't stop people from, from trading, right? Like, so, so unless they can develop a protocol or, or whatever that I think automatically, whenever a transaction happens, a portion of it goes to this person and that person, which I, I understand is exceptionally complex and no one's figured it out yet. I think that creator fees are going to go away. And um, I think that's just important for people to think about when starting a project, right? They have to reframe their business model. Like, you know, the, it, I'm looking more towards the next project than I am the previous projects, right? Like, I do think the idea that you're starting a project with this recurring revenue model coming in is unlikely to happen through creator fees. You'll have to figure out another way. That's where protocols like the Unlock Protocol 
you know, I had um, the founder of Unlock Protocol, uh, Jillian Genestu, on my show. Uh, they're setting up recurring revenue models where you pay, you know, X amount per month, and it's just uh, automatically withdrawn from your ETH wallet. You know, but yeah. but that can changed, be that changes the whole model too. Then it's not about the NFT anymore. It's more about it would be like a membership stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think like I, I think that's why communities are very important because eventually, if you do have a sustainable community, and if you have solutions like Manifold, etc., you can you can set up your own stuff on your own territory, not OpenSea. And just, you know, and just do it independently by yourself the way you want it, right? It's just that many use OpenSea for visibility, for actually getting that exposure and all that stuff. But like, let's say Kevin Rose or or Gary, uh, they could totally, you know, do it independently on their own eventually, right? right? And the only place to buy it will be their website and then they can truly enforce the creator fees, right? Yeah, and then they can do whatever they want. So I think that's the key. Like, you know, once you get to a point where you have enough traction among your community and enough loyal community, uh, you won't need to depend on centralized entities who who would eventually decide for yourself. So I think that should be sort of the focus on of these projects and, and kind of it, it brings us back to the importance of the real communities and, and the, the strength of your relationship with that community. Because technically, uh, you know, you, you don't need a marketplace in order to sell your NFTs. So, uh, so and, and technically, you can, you know, uh, design your smart contract the way you want based on your needs and based on your decisions. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, eventually, the big players might decide to do it on, on their own. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's why what not? Uh, CryptoPunks does, right? I mean, so. Yeah. CryptoPunks uh, has their own marketplace, yes, uh, and V1 punks as well, and Funks as well. So yeah, <laughs> all those have uh, their own marketplaces. So if you, if you do have your diehard fans, you can just you know it, it's just a matter of like n- new people are hoping to build that community thanks to these centralized platforms. But still, they they still hustle on socials anyway, so it doesn't really matter probably yet on the long term. So we'll see. Um, okay, we're approaching an hour. Um, so uh, I I just yeah probably like yeah we covered the course. We mentioned the conference, which I guess will be happening again eventually next year. But uh, <laughs> but. Uh, if you if you're looking like at at the you know you're so excited about the the whole space that I'm certain that you're thinking about doing something on your own in there. Um, are there any plans that you would like to share um, that no. you're building? I mean, in the to future? be honest with you, there is no plan to launch an NFT project. Um, I'm in. Uh, it's my my vision is just to help educate people. Um, I don't want to be in the business at least anytime soon with having my own project. I'm going to use good old fashioned web two technology to help educate, hopefully the business world, uh, because that's where they all are right now. Right. And maybe someday there'll be a project, but if there is, it's like literally just an idea upstairs with all the other ideas that maybe I'm never going to see the light. Got it. Yeah. So, so yeah, you will be bringing in people who will be building their own stuff in. in yes. Space. Hopefully <laughs> for sure. For sure. 
Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a very, very useful um, mission for sure, because there aren't many who are actually doing it and, and many and some who do not always do it right or address that level of, of the very, very entry-level people. So it's always a, a steep curve to get to whatever they are creating to understand that. So um, yeah, everyone who's watching this or listening to this and the replay, uh, just, you know, web3course.info, check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll go and check free. it out right yeah. after this. Totally free. Uh, so yeah, and it's free. So so make sure you, you just, you know, go through it. Uh, it will take you through the basics and just filter out all the noise and you'll just learn whatever you need at the very beginning. And then obviously, I'm sure once you do that, there will be more questions coming out uh, and, and more Let's things to do. Let's just say dig. we've got more things we hope to launch that we're not ready to talk about, but they're going to be web two things. They're not going to be web three things. Okay, cool. So so just make sure as a start, you go through the course and that will hopefully make you curious enough to want to dig deeper and to learn more. And uh, and we, because as we said, we will want to have some fresh blood coming in. We really want to see exciting new projects uh, launched by people who have a fresh perspective and new looks at the space. And uh, because we need a second wave of uh, of more exciting and more positive news uh, at the moment. That's where we are at at the moment. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Michael, for uh, coming on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure. I'm happy we were able to do that. And, and yeah, um, everyone who watched and listened, um, thanks a lot as well. Thank you. That's all that I had for you today. Thank you very much for listening. I truly appreciate every single one of you. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that would help the podcast grow. And to make sure that you're up to date with my articles as well, please subscribe to my newsletter at anialexander.com backward slash NFT rebels. Take care and I'll meet you in the next episode.